Hello, and welcome to Film Unhinged. My name is John Gillens, and on today's episode, I'm going to be discussing some film bargains on iTunes, some of the best movies for the cheapest prices that the Apple service has to offer. In addition to that, I will be moving into my feature commentary on the movie You Were Never Really the Here. Wait, did I say that right? You Were Never Really Here. That's it. And if you haven't heard of this film, I'm sad for you because first off, it's a pretty great film and definitely uh, a unique take on the uh, rescue revenge type thriller. So uh, anyway, more on that in a little bit. First off, let me talk about uh, if you have anything that you'd like me to watch for future reviews, you can always email me at filmmakerjohn, that's J-O-N-John, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Film Unhinged, and you can rate and review me on Apple iTunes. You can also find me on Stitcher and Google Play. Remember that every rating and review that you give me really helps elevate my podcast and present it in a new light to people who maybe wouldn't normally come across it. So if you would do that for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, the first thing I wanted to mention was... There's a couple movies on iTunes that I thought would be worth mentioning. The first one for $4.99 is American History X. And honestly, I felt that possibly down the road, this would be a, a, a movie that I would want to review and give my opinion on um, eventually. So definitely an awesome buy. It, it kind of transformed the way I viewed people in general. It changed my attitude with regards to a lot of things. I wasn't outwardly expressive of any kind of hatred or anything like that to people, but it definitely put my thinking processes in a different light. And I'm greatly appreciative of this movie, American History X. So if you have not seen it, give it a shot. Five bucks on iTunes. Hopefully for the next little bit, I know it's been a few days already that it's been going for $4.99, but jump on it as fast as you can. The second movie I wanted to mention is another one that I had thought about possibly doing a recording for, and it is Chinatown, starring Jack Nicholson and directed by Roman Polanski. Another film that I, I did get to see in film school, and man, I, I, I've been rewatching it recently, and it's a lot of, it's just a lot of fun. And I, honestly, it's because I love film noir so much that I feel like I like the movie so much. There's some things that you could probably pick apart at and say, well, this is old or this is, this, you know, it's interesting the way that this dialogue scene is set up or the, the, the back and forth doesn't seem as natural as it maybe should be or could be. And honestly, those are really nitpicking things because honestly, the film is great. And for the style of film it is, if you, you have to think of it in that style, if you're not looking at it in a, in a, in a type of film noir uh, with through those eyes, then of course it's going to seem a little off-putting because some of the dialogue in film noir is off-putting. It's very uh, unnatural and sometimes corny, but I dig that stuff. So anyway, four ninety nine on iTunes, you can find Chinatown also. All right, now let's move into my feature film presentation of the movie You Were Never Really Here. I'm going to ask you some questions. How many are there? One guy inside the front door, second guy on the top floor. After the tone, please leave a message. It's done. Man called. Man wants to see you. That was from the trailer of You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix 
and directed by Lynn Ramsey, as well as written by Lynn Ramsey, based on a novel by Jonathan Ames. And it is in limited release right now, and I believe it goes into wide release this Friday. And it's presented actually by Amazon Studios. I came across this when I initially saw a trailer for it on YouTube not too long ago. And I can read a little bit from the IMDb page, but I'm going to try not to be super specific because honestly, again, as you've probably found if you've listened to me for a while, I love going into films a little bit blind because I don't want to have everything spelled out for me as I enter the theater because I like to come across the way that the story unfolds in front of me without having any preconceived notions. So I'll just tell you that there's a guy named Joe who is on a job to retrieve somebody and things get a little hairy and uh, action and brutality ensue. So Joaquin Phoenix plays a character named Joe and we are introduced only to a handful of characters, but I thought it was interesting when I started doing a little bit more research on who is in the movie and, and what the, who the director was, uh, Lynn Ramsey never really stuck out to me. I couldn't put a finger on what other movies or things that she's maybe had, had done in, in her past. And apparently she is also the director of, we need to talk about Kevin. And if you haven't seen that movie, well, maybe you're better off for it because I mean, it's a good film, but it's definitely, uh, emotionally heavy and it's not heavy handed in the way it's presented, but it definitely weighs on you, especially in the current climate that we have with a lot of different violence going around with kids and in schools particularly. So it's, it's kind of a, a a heavy film for a viewer to watch at this point anyway, but I, I really liked this film and it reminded me a lot of the different types of films I remember either making or watching Uh, primarily from other student filmmakers, because it definitely had an artsy feel to it. It definitely had experimental vibes where the director was throwing in a lot of, you know, nonlinear editing and kind of introducing items of clips that we weren't completely sure, you know, whether it's relevant at the time or if, you know, when it does become relevant, will we remember what it was that was shown to us? And, I just remember thinking, this is this is going to be an interesting ride because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the people in the theater with me and it wasn't a very packed theater. There's probably less than 10 people in the theater. And what I loved about the idea of the type of film goer would watch this movie, I wanted to see if these people would actually be similar to me where I, you know, I'm willing more than not to give a slow burn film the its day, right? I want to give it the time that it's been uh, used to to create what it has and show me what it's got. And if it's something that I enjoy, I'll I'll enjoy it. If it's not, then I'll tell you about it. And honestly, everybody in the theater seemed to be on the same vibe as me. They didn't outwardly complain or snicker or uh, become irritated or irritable during any of the the scenes where you know maybe your common moviegoer would probably get a little frustrated with. So I I thought it was a really awesome screening uh, group of people to be involved with. This was at actually one of the Cine Arts Theaters in in Northern California that I attended. So I guess in a way it draws that type of crowd to come see this type of film. It's not at your 
mainstay Hollywood movie theater that has multiple screens showing of the same thing. This actually only had two screens in the entire theater. So it was kind of a, I, I think I lucked out initially when I got there, nobody was even in there. So it was nice to see a handful of people still show up and, and give some money to this film. That was, that was awesome in my opinion. Um, the whole movie does have a slow pace. And like I said, it, it does eventually pay off in a lot of moments that you think, okay, it's showing me this little flashback moment and it's, it's a really small blip and then it gets a little bit bigger of a blip and then it's a blink and then it's, you know, a little bit more, they don't ever vocalize any of the exposition. All the items that are shown to us are just visual representations and sometimes off the wall banter during the scene. So there's some moments that you, if you're not paying attention or if you look away for too long, you might be missing out on some of the important clips to kind of establish who this character is and what the background of his life has been like and, and why we're with him on this journey. And Joaquin Phoenix did a really good job. I, when I found out that he was more or less going to be pretty brutal in this film, I kind of thought to myself, well, I don't know. I've never seen him really be brutal (laughs) <laughs> like a vicious character. I remember from Gladiator, he was he was conniving and he was he was very intimidating with his his mannerisms but not in his his stature. His stature has never posed a threat in any of the films that I can recall. So I was interested to see how this was going to play out. And obviously he's he had gained some weight for the role and he had put on some muscle. You can kind of see it in his build and he's got an interesting build. He's got a very hunched stocky frame in this movie. And I remember first noticing his frame being a little bit different when I first watched the movie to die for, which was made back in 1995, I think. And it starred Nicole Kidman and, and he was in it. And this was very early on in his career, but I I was hoping that he would give, you know, that, that type of performance that would just leave me awestruck. And honestly, I really enjoyed everything that he did. There are some awesome scenes that I will get to in spoilers that I felt like were definitely, um, on point with delivering the emotion that was that I think what they were hoping for. And I, I just, I overall, I enjoyed it. I don't know if this is something that I would be able to watch over and over again, but it's definitely an experience that was worth going through. And if you have the opportunity to catch it in the theater or when it comes out on digital or DVD and obviously on Amazon, because it's made by Amazon, then I would recommend doing it just to have the experience and kind of say, what, what did it do to you? How did it present this information and how did you interpret it? So anyway, enough of the generalizations of this film. Let's get into spoilers for You Were Never Really Here, starting right now. All right, now let's talk about some spoilers. There's some interesting shots in this film. And honestly, it's a beautiful film. The cinematography is done really well. And I like the abstract shots that they would use. There would be, you know, he's filling up gas in his car and the angle of the camera would actually be recording his reflection in the mirrors or in the, I'm sorry, in the windows of the car. And I love, there was a scene where when he is uh, burying his mother's body in the water riverbed and there's light shooting from above and he goes underneath with the body and he's being dragged down because he's put these rocks in his, his pockets to also go down with the body. Cause this whole movie, he's, he's very morose and very unsure of what his purpose is. And he, he understands purpose when he's in it and he needs to act 
to save that of somebody else, but his own, his own vindication for, for living and, and actually, and being present is kind of void because he's had so many, I guess, issues or distractions in his life that have caused him to think these obscure thoughts. But the visual of him in the water is just breathtaking. And I want to talk about the security camera footage. So the story, when he goes to rescue this girl, he's, he's commissioned by his job. His boss uh, tells him that the senator, his daughter's gone missing. She's usually gone, but then comes back. And then this time she's gone and hasn't returned. And so he is taking upon this job, himself this job to kind of go and find this girl. And he realizes that this location where she's at is filled with a bunch of um, adolescent girls who are more or less sex slaves to these men that come in. And so he scopes out the, the location and he grabs information from one of the guys that is in and out of the building. And as he goes inside, you expect to have this maybe first person um, crazy, you know, because he's walking around with this big old hammer. He's going to go in and just start slamming people. And you're going to get this shaken camera, like, you know, uh, born identity or born supremacy style. And it's not. It immediately cuts to all these security cameras and it's all infrared. And it at first I was afraid because I thought, you know, if they do it this way, it's going to seem unrealistic. I mean, I don't know. It just, that was my initial impression that if you throw in some fake, you know, fighting with a hammer, I was afraid it was just going to cheapen the moment. I was wrong. It was completely the opposite for me. It ended up being one of those, I'm looking on Yahoo's, you know, news site and somebody's got footage of some guy creating a, a, a storm of violence through a store and that's what it was is that, you know, and it was quick cuts and jarring movements. And I love the editing because it was almost a time compression, uh, statement because there's a song playing in the background and it really turns your, your stomach because it's this sweet 50s, 60s song. And you can imagine, uh, these baby boomers back in the day dancing to these with their ponytails and, and their letterman sweaters and all this stuff. And, you just know that this is not that scenario. This is a location where these young girls are being raped and, and assaulted. And that's, this is what's playing in the, in the background all the while he's working his way up as he takes out security guard after security guard. And then eventually partakers in the sin that is in this home. And he eventually finds the girl and takes her out. Uh, he just an amazing set of cuts and honestly, I was afraid that I was going to be put off by some of the editing inside this film because there were some moments that I thought, wow, that was really jarring. The whole point and purpose behind editing is to really mask the cuts and to avoid situations that, you know, would draw attention to what is being cut as opposed to what's happening. But I feel like the usage of editing in this movie was definitely drawn to the idea that we are watching something take place and you're kind of questioning whether this guy is really there. You're, and there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. The theme of this is, is he really there in, in person? There are some cuts that you have a lot of these, you know, uh, trains or vehicles coming past the screen and masking off his exit from the, the, the actual frame. So you're starting to think, well, okay, are we, are we imagining this person in this example, or is this person an, an actual person going 
through his daily beats. And then you start to think, well, is he really there uh, mentally? Because psychologically, the guy is a, a mess. He's plagued by all these random thoughts from the Gulf War and uh, other moments with his, his home life growing up. You start to see that there's abuse in the home and his how he, the reason he's so loving to his mother is how her circumstances were so dangerous. And you can kind of tell this is the reason why he does what he does is that he seeks out those predators that resemble his father. But yeah, just a pretty magnificent way of editing. And, and, and I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. I was really nervous I wouldn't. And I, I did. I liked it a lot. The ending was found uh, kind of an interesting thing too, because the perspective that we have is again, he's going through this, this house and we don't really even get to see him take out all these people that are inside this house of where the governor is at. Cause we find out that the girl's father was in on it. He trades her back and forth between the governor and other people that like that are fancy uh, or fancy her. And he goes and follows the governor to this home and he believes he's found where she's at. As he goes in, he takes out guard after guard. And again, this time we don't see the violence because we've already witnessed it. And there's no security cameras for this one, which I thought was another interesting take. So since it was non-security camera, we basically just see the aftermath of each scene. So we get to see when he's done beating somebody up and he walks past him. And so each person that he had to get through, we never actually get to see that action beat take place. And then he finally gets to the very top and finds the governor's throat slit. Now, honestly, I initially thought that it was a suicide thing. Like he had finally realized the error in his ways and had decided that taking his own life was the only way to, I don't know, uh, make amends for all the, the wrongdoing that he's done. And the emotional breakdown of Joaquin Phoenix's character told me differently. It was, it was one of those moments where I, he almost needed to release brutality because that's really what his character can do. His character is really outwardly spoken in his violence. He uses violence to communicate. And when he can't communicate, he's stifled. And then again, what's, what's the, the point in his existence in this situation? At least in all this is in my opinion, obviously. But he, he can't use the violence. And so he sits there and realizes that he's in this situation that he can't do anything about. And the, the release has been taken from him. And so he just sobs and he loses it. And he, he eventually wanders out of the room and down the stairs and finds the little girl and is thrilled that she's still alive. And that was, she was able to take it, uh, in her own hands. And honestly, I think he finds some solace in that because as a boy who has struggled with the depression and, and the, the, just the overwhelming, uh, sense of dread living at home with his, his father, the way he was, he, kind of finds it as a way for her to purge a lot of those emotions that, that he didn't have the opportunity to. And he continues to try to as he uh, attempts to suffocate himself over and over again in different scenarios, whether as a boy in flashback or in the future as the adult. And I, fe- I think that he finally was at, at no longer at odds with this, his emotions. And he was really willing to allow the circumstance to play out as it needed to for her because it was no longer just about him. And he did have some of those moments earlier because when his mother was shot and he comes home and finds her uh, shot through the eye, 
he quietly goes downstairs and kills one of them and shoots and wounds the other one in the stomach, which I thought was this, this was a really interesting and perplexing scenario because I thought he must really be lost if he allows this guy, I mean, he's allowing him to survive just because he wants information as to why he's here or who, who gave him the info, but he's also allowing him to, to live. And he actually, I, I believe he gives him a pill to kind of ease some of the pain so that he can continue to, uh, talk to him possibly. And there's a moment where they both lay down on the ground and this was where I felt like some of the exchange of dialogue between the two characters was almost inaudible because I couldn't understand what they were saying, but he, he start the, the killer starts to sing some of the song that's playing on the, the tape player or radio or disc player, whatever it was. And then Joaquin Phoenix also decides to sing along with him. And they, the, the guy that was shot, he actually reaches over for Joaquin Phoenix's hand to hold it. And I thought, this is an interesting moment because it's really analyzing what's going through our minds when we're about to lose our life. And it doesn't matter if it's the person whose hand has dealt you this card to kill you, but you 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 want human contact. You want to be able to feel comfort from somebody or something, whether, you know, no matter what it was, and maybe it was some of the, the pill that was, you know, moving him in this direction. But I felt like it was in, conveying to us that life, as we know it, it's about human contact. And maybe he just was missing some of that in his life. He maybe had a pretty good relationship with his mom, but he just didn't have the type that was really fulfilling and would make your life worthwhile. Okay. Now I, I, obviously I'm going into a lot of ideas that are in my own head and I'm hopefully conveying the way that I think I am in my mind. Uh, and I hope that it all makes sense to you, but overall, let me just explain to you. I really enjoyed this movie. I was looking forward to it. I didn't have any clue that it would be the way it, it turned out. And I was really pleased with how it was. Uh, I definitely want to recommend it to people, but I'm afraid to recommend it because it's not something for everybody. Um, but I would challenge you that if you are up for a unique experience, it's definitely worth the trip in my opinion. So that way you can at least say, I've tried this type of film and it's definitely for me, or it's definitely not for me, but I love that it's available for us to watch. And, uh, I'd love to hear your interpretation of it as well. So if you have any feedback on that, please let me know. So the movie is, you were never really here. And it's in theaters and limited release right now. I think it's going wider this Friday. And with that, we'll close. I want to thank you again for listening to us this week. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, you can reach me at filmmakerjohn, that's J-O-N-John, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at filmunhinged. And please rate and review me on Apple iTunes. You can also find me on Stitcher and Google Play. Every rating and review really helps promote this podcast and i appreciate the feedback that i've gotten thus far look forward to hearing more of it for future references and uh i'm i'm thank you for listening so thanks again and have a great week